Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. I am your co-host, Kieran. Penis. <laughs> Imagine if this is someone's first episode, then like 20 seconds, you're like, fuck, these guys are stupid. I'm your co-host, Kieran. I'm a white belt under the great and powerful Adam Childs, who is sitting across from me. That um, would be me, um, Adam Childs, Alliance Sydney owner with my wife and a black belt under Fabio Gurgel. Today we are talking about everything penis related. Yeah. What dick moves, dick yeah, moves, not, asshole moves. Yeah. Commonly known as dick moves. What we mm. mean by that is of course not actual moves you do with your dick, but mm. um, you know, as unfriendly moves, techniques, submissions that people do, whether in competition, but usually they're more thought of as things that you do at the gym when you're training. Yeah. Competition's a different beast. Usually when people say, you know, oh, that was a dick move or that's a dick thing to do, um, that's usually doing something inappropriate uh, in the gym. Yeah, yeah. So doing something that might not necessarily be – you know, illegal. A, illegal, yeah, not against the rules, not illegal. Like it's it's green light in competition. However, as doing it to a training partner, it's frowned upon. Now, some of these things you're not going to know as a white belt. You're not going to well, know. I was just it. about to say like <laughs> that it'll be – we've said it before, but, you know, the the kind of dynamic that we have is very – opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of our jujitsu experiences and opinions. I mean, obviously I'm not saying we disagree on everything, but you know, as, as it stands today, it's a, a white belt and a black belt opinion. So obviously, you know, dick moves or inappropriate behavior is something that I've experienced or, you know, whether I've done it myself or had it done to me for years, whereas for you, you may not have had much experience and perfectly, like you just said, things you might not know uh, are considered dick yeah. moves. Where do you sit on the dick? <laughs> <laughs> right on top of it normally. <laughs> that was horrible. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, look, if you train jiu-jitsu for any length of time, you're bound to come across something that is, you know, referred to or considered a dick move. Initially, when when someone does it to you, you may, you know, have, have your reservations. You may, you know, think it's illegal or have to ask clarification or you may not even realize and just think, oh, shit, that's a particularly nasty submission yeah. or, or whatever. Normally, we're talking about submissions, right? Most yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah, you um – so let's let's just kick it off from the top then. Ads. What what are the 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 worst um, or the, the what you consider a dick move? What's something that's been done to you, or what what do you consider something that is maybe legal in competition, but really you sh- training partner on training partner shouldn't occur? Um, look, I might address the the most common one that people pretty much everyone's aware of, and. It never happens to me anymore because I I behave appropriately and I'm talking about getting choked across the face. Um, specifically, let's just let's just pigeonhole it into talking about a, a rear naked choke. Yep. Now, s- some people think 
it is uh, not, not a nice thing to do to choke across the face. Firstly, let me say you're not allowed to choke in uh, across the brow. So anything between like the – you may as well just imagine anywhere from like the eyebrows down to the upper lip, you know, or the, the base of the nose, you're not allowed to, to – go in that area of the face, right? Um, for safety reasons, right? You, you know, otherwise eye gouging would happen by accident all the time, okay? But in terms of choking across the face, like across someone's mouth, jaw, chin, you're uh, in the rules, you're allowed to do that. It's perfectly legal, okay? But in the gym, it's seen by a lot of people to be uh, really unsavory, right? And really not a nice thing to do with your training partners. I personally, I could not disagree more, right? I think people who have a problem with getting choked across their face just haven't been educated on the situation well enough. The reason I'm saying that is because the the way that people get choked across the face is their they, you know, again, if we're talking about a rear naked choke, they've had their back taken and they're trying to not get choked. So they tuck their chin, right? Perfectly fine thing to do in competition and in training. Okay. So then you've got someone who can't get the choke under your chin. Uh, there are ways to get under the chin, but they're equally as nasty, like, uh, like using the the, the knuckle of your thumb, like the, the pointy bit, you imagine if you just put your fingernail into your fist, so you've got the, the tip of your thumb knuckle pointing out, almost like a rudimentary sort of fish hook, and people do that, like use that to carve under the jawline. It's far more unpleasant, in my opinion, than getting choked across the face. But because you've tucked your chin, which is a perfectly fine thing to do, right? You're trying to, to um, protect your protect neck. Your neck you've then got someone who they end up going across your your face, jaw, mouth, okay, which is perfectly legal in the rules. So you got to think about it this way. If, you, if you're someone who thinks that's uh, a no-go, something you shouldn't do to your training partners, then you haven't given them an option. You're essentially saying then, oh, I'm unchokable from the back because I tuck my chin and it's not nice if you go across my face. Dude, firstly, it's a full contact combat sport. But don't get me wrong, in the gym, in the in, you know, you definitely want to look after your training partners. If you injure them, they don't come back the next day. You've got no one to train with. But if you've tucked your chin, so they by default go across your face, man, you've put them in a really tough spot where their option is you've only given them two options, either not choke you at all or to choke across your face, right? Tucking your chin is at buys you a bit of time, but it is not a like it's not it's not the be all and end all defense. And if you think it is, and no one ever punishes you for it, you're then going to go compete in a competition, tuck your chin, and think you can't be choked. Someone is just going to reef it across your face, and you know you're going to get a jaw broken or teeth broken or whatever it is. So the reason I said it never happens to me is because in the gym, right? I'll tuck my chin because it's the thing to do to protect my neck. As the choke comes across my face, I encourage my training partners and my students to, to choke across the face. Like if I don't want you to be nastily squeezing my jaw, 
it's very easy to avoid. I just lift my chin, right? So in training, I'll tuck my chin and whatever. And then once it gets too uncomfortable on my face, it becomes more than I'm willing to take on my face uh, in the gym or because I think, well, I just had that feeling put in. I can't afford to go back to the dentist. I'll lift my chin. Choke sinks in, I tap, right? It's not a dick move by choking across the face. It's, 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 it would be a prick thing to do if someone had, could not have their chin lifted higher, they're pretty much giraffe necking it and you intentionally go across their face. Well, that's a prick thing to do, right? But like, you know, if, if someone's just tucking their chin, they're not exposing their neck, bro, I don't want to choke across your face, but you haven't given me a choice right? So I'm going to put the ball back in your court. And if you don't want to be choked across the face, lift your chin, bro. Lift your chin. Right? Or, or perhaps you shouldn't yeah. have gotten your back taken in the first place. That's um, how Conor McGregor was subbed by Khabib. Like he had a rear naked choke across his face like that. And uh, Conor tapped. There is nothing wrong with it. It is perfectly in the rules. And again, in training, I'm not going to do it to the extent where I try break your jaw the same way if I arm bar a training partner yeah. I'm not going to try break their on. arm yeah. in training you give ample time for your partners to tap yeah. but being conditioned that it's not a nice thing to do is is the is the wrong mentality yeah by all means tuck your chin but then if someone's squeezing across it dude you're the one that put them in that situation if you don't want it tap or lift your chin yeah and you that's something that you regularly teach all of your uh, students because I've been taught that and um, the whole like, hey, if you don't want to be choked across your face, lift your chin. I've been taught that from from the jump. So to say that I don't sometimes, you know, not avoid it, but look for other options would be a lie. I try to get under the chin. But yeah, you know, when if I have someone in a rear naked choke and they're tucking their chin, I, I finish the sub. Yep. A great example is if you if you did a search for Braulio Estima, his variation of a rear naked choke. He actually um, uh, intentionally does it across the face, not as in like he won't take the neck if it's there, but I mean intentionally as in everyone tucks their chin mm. and so he just does it across the face, but he does it in a, in a specific way. He, he mentions how he's got really long arms, so he finds it hard to get under the chin and get his uh, like the V of his elbow up under the chin by the time they tuck it. Yep. Because his arms are so long, his forearm is so long and his uh, bicep. Like bicep part, upper, upper, arm, arm, yeah. upper arm is so long that the, the, you know, he doesn't get his elbow pit to the throat by the time they tuck their chin. Makes sense. So he intentionally goes over the jaw and what he does is he squeezes in in a way that actually opens the opponent's mouth and pushes their jaw to their throat. So anyone listening, if you try this for a second, if you tuck your chin, open your mouth and push your chin into your throat and then try to breathe. Yeah, it's tough. Like you can't. (laughs) 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 That sounds like that. It sounds like taking the bottom of a Slurpee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so... There's nothing wrong. And you said it, right? I teach it to people in the gym. Uh, That's what I was taught. You you need to be conditioned to understand that there's there's nothing wrong with going across someone's face. Now, everything is with context. 
if I, I know my, all my students really well, so if I'm training with one of my students who I know is, you know, a super- Massive dick. <laughs> <laughs> or, it's, you know, a super important business person who, you know, regularly has really important board meetings and, you know, or a student who's an actor or something. So they, you know, they're- they don't want to – they understand the risks of jiu-jitsu, but they don't want to really get, you know, scuffs and marks on their face. I'm going to respect that because not everyone is training the sport to be a, a bloodthirsty competitor. Some people mm. do it just for a bit of a hobby and for some fun and that's all fine. Um, so it's all with context, right? And, um, you know, but if I'm just training at some random gym, let's say I'm traveling or I'm teaching yeah, that's a, a good seminar or something. Yeah. What do you do then? Man, look uh, – it's easy for me to say I would go across the face because I'm a black belt so I can hold my own or yeah, I can educate like, the lower belt, you know, yeah. tell them the exact same thing we're talking about now. Yeah. I understand it's going to be harder if you're a lower belt. If you yeah. were a, a blue belt and you did it across the face to a higher belt, I can very easily see that they're going to turn around and rip you a new one. Yep. But I don't think that has anything to do with you executing an unfriendly maneuver. It's got to do with the the you know just the imbalance that can happen in, in belts, right? Like no higher belt likes to to get submitted by a lower belt at, okay. all, at all, whether it's unfriendly or not. So your advice to me, if I was to visit another gym and I was in that position, go for it or not? <laughs> Look, man, my. I'm going to sort of fence it a little bit because me personally, I'm a bit of a usually prefer to avoid conflict. So I'm someone who I don't care about myself and my ego that much. So I'm just going to be like, look, man, I'll just let it go. I don't need to submit this person to feel good. Yeah. You know, like I would probably just let it go and yep. leave it for another day. But if you're someone who is a bit more competitive to the bone, man, go for it. You know, like it's their, it's their problem. And then you, you get know? the mad enforcer but, sick. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but you've all got to take it with context, man. Yep. Like, you know, there's, there's times that I might even be training with a blue belt as, as a black belt. And I can just tell, man, this dude's like, it's just, things are going to go South if, if I submit him or something, you know, for me, I just, I'm very preferable to let things go. I yeah. don't want to create unnecessary tension, but you know, if we're looking more at the competitive side, looking, it's it's like, uh, okay, so on one hand, we got this one incident where you're visiting a gym and just so happen to be in that position. Probably don't go for it. But systemically, with your training partners in your own gym, it's something that you should should be hunting for, or not hunting, not for, not, not hunting, but like, yeah, like um, you don't want to taking the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, like you are not doing mm. your training partners any favors because it's not a by, valid defense yeah, yeah by conditioning them to think that that's a valid defense okay right so that's the the most common example what's another dick move what's something that is a dick move that like i think like the as a as a generalization yeah just whacking on submissions is a prick move yeah um in competition for sure man rip it you know uh if you've got it in you do it, right? Rip, rip the submission. I don't have that in me, right? But when you're competing, you've got two willing opponents who have signed the contracts and someone ripping a submission to try to break their opponent's arm 
for me, is no different to a boxer trying to knock you out. Like, if you and I have signed up for a boxing bout and you walk away after the match with broken ribs, are you going to be pissed off at me? No. Like, you might be, you know, maybe you even won the fight, but, like, you're going home with broken ribs. Like, I mean, you knew it could happen. Yep. Right? Like, same as, you know, if you knock me out, like – I'd be upset that I lost the fight, but I'm not going to after the match be like, bro, you're such a prick. How dare you? You knocked me out. It's such a prick move. You'd be like, dude, it's a boxing match. Yeah. Right? Like, and it's- So if I don't, if we're, if we're in a competition and I don't give you the opportunity to tap- That's on me. That's that's on you, right? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, we're talk- I'm talking about this at the professional level. Because, if yeah, you're If yeah. you're a couple of white belts, man, like- it's very easy for you guys to hurt yourselves, you know? Like yeah. I would say to my students, like let's say you're a white belt going to compete, I would say, look, man, this guy, he's a white belt as well and he's not necessarily pursuing this as his career. Like a white belt competition is not worth a broken arm. Mm. If you catch him in a submission, like don't lose it, but, you know, like my my advice would be, dude, like put it on really hard but – you know, harder than you would in the gym, but give him a little bit of wiggle room. Vice versa, he. I want you to be prepared that if you get caught in the submission, they might not give you yes. the chance to tap. If we're talking about the professional level, dude, like it's it's the individual's responsibility to tap. Unfortunately, mm. yeah. that's that's it's a full contact combat sport. Yeah, you know, but in terms of in the gym. That is a mega prick move. I used to train with a guy who was so, so good. At the time he was a purple belt, so good at cutting arm bars or, or also sometimes called inverted arm bars. So good. But he would just rip them on so hard and fast. Actually, I had another dude, a, a blue purple belt at the time, that was so good at straight footlocks. And this was before straight footlocks had their current resurgence of people realizing that they can actually be really good and powerful. Dude, and he injured so many people. Like even injured multiple black belts, even when he was a blue belt. He was so good at them. And he would just rip them on, right? Where you would like, you wouldn't be able to walk for a week. That's a prick move, right? Like, man, if you injure your training partner, that dude doesn't come back tomorrow. Then you injure someone new, he doesn't come back. Like you start running out of training partners. Yeah. You know, like that's a prick move in the gym to yep. not give your training partners time to tap. Same as like, you know, if for anyone listening who's done striking, when you're sparring with your your training partners who you train with all the time, you pull your punches and kicks a little bit. Right? Yeah, you don't like, you don't go full fucking full yeah, pelt. You don't go hundred percent. Yeah, right. Knock like the bastard out. And you know, you and I could still roll a hundred percent, but if we got caught in a submission, either one of us, yeah, you're gonna take it down a little bit. Yes. Like you know, I think that is a. I don't. I'm sure there's some people that would maybe disagree, mm. like real cutthroat competitors. But my opinion is, you know. Even if you're looking at the creme of the crop competitors, if you're looking at the longevity of your training partners, people that you want to continue to train with, you got to pull your submissions a little bit. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just you're, yeah. Not only you're a prick, but you're also shooting yourself in the foot. Who are you going to train with afterwards? You've injured everyone. Yeah. And then who's to say that they're not going to do that to you? That well, yeah, that could happen too, right? You, know, like, you rip on a, a sub really quick on them. Maybe it doesn't like 
permanently damage them, but you know, then next time you're you're about to be caught in an arbor, maybe they rip it on for you. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the same. It goes around, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think I, I agree with that. Like even just being a, a white belt, but I mean, yeah, that's that's common sense, isn't it? Yeah. Have you had any experiences in the gym yet? Like obviously you've only nope, really never had no. <laughs> <laughs> no experiences at all. <laughs> Um, in terms of like what I consider to be maybe dick moves? Yeah. Or okay, yeah. have you had yeah. it done to you or have you done something that then the, your partner's called you out for? Um, I've had a couple of experiences, which is what I wanted to ask you next. What do you think about smothering? I know it's against the IBJJF rules. Like the, well, the depends how you smother. So um, like uh, hand over the mouth yeah, and nose. Yeah, so hand over the mouth and nose. Yep. Like for a, those just who, a straight up smother. Yeah, for those who don't know is against IBJJF rules. But it's allowed in ADCC. Yeah, allowed in a lot of rules. The word smothering as a whole, mm. I'm, oh yeah, okay, sorry, I'm, I'm yeah. super on board with. Yeah, right? yeah, um, which I have done a lot. <laughs> it is, it's, it's one of the best strategies or, or t- even techniques, if you yes. will. If you're just, um, that is not a prick move and at by, all. By that, just, just to amplify here, what Adam's referring to is if you're, say, for example, you're in mount. Uh, and and your opponent's on bottom, and you're basically restricting their their breathing with your gi, with your chest, smothering their face with your yeah, chest. So, and, so and arms, one of the right? things that I do um, very when, well when I, I have <laughs> <laughs> it's all the Krispy Kreme donuts I eat. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I personally do is if I mount someone and I'm hugging their head. I will pull their their mouth specifically, like their their head into like the cradle of my neck. The same spot where you might think like if, you, if you're cuddling a little puppy or cuddling a cat, you know, how you'll like kind of like put them in between like the crook of your neck and shoulder. Yep. I will pull someone's head and make sure their mouth goes into there, yep. right? Because it's it may not seem like much. Like if you and I just started training now and we're drilling and we're not tired and you could stay there all day. But if we're eight minutes into a round, so you're already tired and all of a sudden I mount you and, yep. you know, and it's hot and whatever, it's it makes them stressed, right? And I've had people tap. Like ever I mean, since I started implementing that, it's like horrible. stealing your- It's your, horrible. Taking, taking on board like that experience and thinking, oh my God, this is horrible. I do it to other people. Yeah. And um, I've had a few people just tap and sit like, yeah, I'm out. I, I just can't breathe. Yeah. It, again, it's not a- I don't believe it's a prick move. It's a um, – and if you notice, I've started saying prick just to yeah, like, limit the amount the word dick is yep. said in this episode. <laughs> um, I say that when I like started at 30 seconds in with penis. <laughs> but uh, um, So it's not a prick move to, to no, not add at that all, man. pressure. Like, I agree. The more uncomfortable you can make your opponent, yeah. the better, yeah. right? I, I – always give well, this analogy. I always give a lot of analogies. I love teaching analogy analogies. Yeah. If you, I've been on the, um, the, the jungle brothers podcast a couple of times, which, uh, last episode we spoke a bit about, um, Joey and JT from Bulletproof. Joey is also one of the owners of jungle brothers. Um, and yeah, we'll, which is we'll a have strength and conditioning gym out of botany. Yeah. Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, We'll have Joey on it at some stage, but yeah, I used so many analogies after the last episode I did with them. Uh, people started calling me analogy Adam, um, <laughs> but one of the analogies I give, and I've spoken before, I've mentioned Formula One a lot, um, but is if you if anyone watches any sort of motorsport, 
or racing, they'll, they'll know what I'm talking about, where sometimes the car behind or the motorbike behind, whatever racing it is, they may not even be like get to close enough to threaten, like to be able to attempt an overtake, but they're, they're close enough that they're putting pressure and their presence is putting a lot of like pressure on the person in front that sometimes the person in front makes a mistake on their own, right? Yes. Like they, 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 they lock up or they break too late. You know, they go too deep into the corner, they run wide and then the person behind gets past just from that constant pressure yeah. that discomfort of being there you know and it's a similar thing like if i can just make you uncomfortable restrict the access of air that you can get even if it's just you know uh maybe medically you're only getting 10 percent less oxygen or, or whatever you know or five percent you know but that can make a difference right and that can force you into errors that can you know like a good example is when you mount someone and they just hunker down and like cross their arms with their their hands near their neck and they just refuse to move and refuse to give you any submission or anything. Man, one of the best ways to defeat people who do that is just to make them incredibly uncomfortable. And then they start getting forced to move, to alleviate some of that discomfort. And to do that, they have to open stuff up. And then you take advantage of, of those openings. Yeah. And so – Going back to your original question, yeah. like the hand over the mouth and yes. nose, if it's in a rule set that allows it, I, I, again, I don't think it's a dick move. I actually like Joey tapped me with it ages ago. It was right after Wagner Hosha did it in a, in a fight and Joey had come fresh off watching it and we were rolling and I can't remember. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, anyway, like I can't remember the exact specifics, but Joey was on my back and he did that across my mouth and nose and I was so taken by surprise. Like, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and then he sunk in the rear naked choke. Oh, there you go. And then he was like, are you allowed to do that? And because usually. Yeah, I like how he asks after. after yeah. Well, easy to ask for forgiveness, right? Yeah. And permission. Usually when we talk about what you're allowed to and not allowed to do, at least in our gym, we usually just follow IBJJF I was about rules. to say that. I was about to um, play a bit of devil's advocate where you've said in the past, when you, particularly when you're visiting other gyms, to assume IBJJF rule set. I, I suggest that unless yes. you've been told otherwise. It's yep. better safe than sorry. So at your gym, and now this is me asking as your student because I've had some of our uh, my training partners do that, like the the hand um, over the mouth and nose. I've never done it myself because I know that it's against IBJJF. Dick move, prick move? Um, is this green light? If it's what – for the line for me yep. in our gym is I pretty much say – well, if it's in the gi, even the the more open rule sets in the gi don't allow a lot of stuff like leg reaping, heel hooks, and, and a lot of these techniques, right, that are allowed in no gi. So I then lean to, in terms of rules that are allowed I in no gi, like I, I kind of will still say, oh, you can't do it in the gi. So, for example... Uh, there's no competition currently that allows heel hooks at black belt even in the gi. So even when Joey and I are training, Joey's a brown belt, right? Well, we don't do heel hooks. but In, in the gi. In the gi, yep. sorry. But no gi, right? From blue belt and up, I want people to start experimenting. So Joey and I are being brown and black belts, no gi, we do heel hooks, we do the hand over the mouth smothering, like essentially uh, – open rules, if you will, or ADCC rules or yep. submission only rules, whatever you want to call it. Okay. 
I still restrict those certain techniques for the lower belts just for safety reasons, right? Like if you don't know a lot about heel hooks, they can be very dangerous. I don't want white belts heel hooking each other. And not even that, even if, you know, like I don't even as a black belt heel hook my lower belts. Why? Because I know I'm not going to rip it, but it's a submission that they can very easily turn the wrong way and destroy their own knee. Yeah. Right. So, um, to answer your question, blue belt and up, green light. For the smothering. For the smothering hen, hen. in nogi. With a hen. In nogi. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Sweet. Um, I think and I, I suppose by that stage you would hope and maybe it would it would hopefully it would come up that they know that they cannot do that in IBJJF rule set because there was an incident where uh, this was a while ago and hopefully I don't butcher the details here, but there was a, a member of the previously known Danaher Death Squad that competed in an IBJJF sanctioned oh, yeah. no-gi event name? Um, and got DQ'd because he went for the smother. And the other guy yeah. was like throwing his hands up like, oh, Yeah, DQ'd, yeah, yeah. DQ'd. What's his name? Um, I have no idea who it was. Yeah. I just remember but, seeing it yeah. um, and thinking, ah, okay, right. Yeah. And and that's that really solidified in my brain, hey, this is against the IBJJF rules. Don't do it. You've got to know the rules of the the competition you're competing under. Like, you yeah. know, even ADCC, which is considered the most prestigious event, there's things you could do to get disqualified, yeah, you know, and rules. then, you know, mm. it's still got rules, yeah. you know, it's maybe widely accepted as one of the best rule sets. A lot of people mm. argue it's the best rule set for competitive jujitsu, whether, I mean, that's neither here nor there, but the point I'm making is it still has a, excuse me, it still has a rule set yes. that you have to be aware of. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can't just yeah. Obviously, there's, can't there's going to be to a comp and not know the bloody rules. Yeah, like, and there's going to be faults with every rule set, right? Yeah. No rule set is one hundred percent flawless. Yeah, you know, like yeah, totally. Even you know, like uh, past week or whatever, um, there was the Emerald City two and the final of Kennedy and and Gianni Grippo. Gianni won in overtime, but like in the scheduled time, like Kennedy passed Gianni's guard and, mm. you know, like you could argue that if it was a different rule set, if it was IBJJF match, Kennedy would have won. Yeah, But exactly. because of the triple overtime or whatever, Gianni won because of fastest back escape, right? Yes. Like, I mean, but they're the rules of that competition. So, um, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Going back to, to prick moves, another yes. one that, I have the same mentality as I do with like smothering about it's, it. It honestly sounds like you're okay with all the prick moves. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, no, I'm very against slamming on submissions. That's yes. a super prick thing to do. Yep. Um, particularly some submissions only work if you slam them on. So they're hard to do in training. Okay. Um, so like wrist locks are very hard. <laughs> I've recently got um, – fairly recently got wrist locked. So the uh, for the reason, first time I tapped the to a re- fucking wrist lock. <laughs> the <laughs> so reason bad. wrist locks are frowned upon is – and I don't have a problem with wrist locks, but the reason that they're frowned upon is because they're very hard to do slowly. Mm. Because it's such a small joint and one end of the lever, your hand, is so small – you don't have a huge amount of control when you're the person attacking it. It's not like attacking an armbar where you have a whole forearm to hold on to yep. and then the whole rest of the body, right? Your hips are up under the shoulder, their elbows like up near your belly button. You've got that, like you have a huge amount of their body control yes. to, to gently apply the submission. And you have a lot of range of motion in that, breaking, of, in that breaking movement. That's right. But with a wrist lock, you have a very small 
part of the body that you need to control in order to isolate the wrist joint being the well you need control of the hand and you know some control of the, the forearm but if you do it slowly people just rip their hand out yeah right yeah so wrist locks you kind of need to do quickly for them to work yeah so uh for example in competition most wrist locks uh a, a submission by verbal submission. Yep. I mean, for those who don't know, if you scream out in pain, that's a verbal submission. That's the same thing as tapping. So they snap on so quick that usually if you get tapped by a wrist lock in competition, it's because you scream out in pain because you don't have time to tap. Yeah. So then when people do that in training, that's why they're kind of frowned upon yeah, because okay. they're, they're hard to do in training gently and slowly. So if you, can't do a wrist lock gently and slowly i mean maybe don't do it in training like man you can wreck someone's wrist super hard with them so um yeah so anyway i'm not saying i'm okay for all the prick moves what about neck cranks no no neck cranks terrible yeah terrible um not only are they against the rules for most competitions can you just like quickly explain a neck crank so the most common neck crank would be a can opener, which is when you're in someone's closed guard. So I'm the person on top and I reach forward and grab behind your head and pull your chin to your chest, right? That's called a can opener. It's very easy for you as the person on the bottom to escape when you know what to do. You just open your guard and sit up, but um, it's against the rules. Um, and any, a neck crank is considered anything that attacks the spinal column. Right, because you're not allowed. You're allowed to attack the neck, of course, because you can choke people. But um, there's really no rules that allow you, you to attack the spinal column. Oh, I mean, I say that, but there are. For example, a twister, right, which is a tenth um, planet or Eddie Bravo submission that attacks the spine, right? So standard rules don't allow that. But but actually, I believe you can do that in ADCC and. Um, definitely can in MMA. So net man, neck cranks aren't cool. Like I don't think they're cool. Uh, you know, if someone had me in a twister, I mean, I know enough that I would just tap straight away, but yeah, I'm not really on board with neck cranks, like, or people doing chokes incorrectly that turn into neck cranks. Yeah. That's what but I've experienced. That, I mean, if that happens though, it sucks, but I would just tap. Yep. So a common one is a north south choke. It's quite a technical choke if you haven't really learned it how to do it properly. When you can do a north south choke properly, min- you need to apply minimal squeezing. Is can- that the one where your lat is that's right, predominantly yeah. doing the choking? That's right. Yeah. But that one's m- tough. Most people don't know how to do it properly. Yeah. And they just crank it like it's a guillotine but it's not, and it's just a neck crank. And it turns into a neck crank, yeah. Um, and the other ones are like anaconda chokes or das chokes and yep. stuff like that. They can they're, turn into neck cranks. Yeah, they're a, they're a little less painful neck cranky. Like a, mm. a north-south choke really can be really nasty if people do it incorrectly. But I suppose um, like, sorry to interrupt there, but should you, you're not recommending people avoid those techniques because of the, no. the danger that they turn into neck no, cranks. No, no, of you're course not. You're relying on your, your opponent to... Yeah, your training partner rather to understand and and tap and because unfortunately, uh, they a neck crank das choke and a choking das choke look exactly the same. Yeah. So unfortunately, sometimes you might, as the person executing the submission, actually be doing at everything more or less 
100% correctly, but just mm. the way it locked in, the size of your arms, yeah. you know. The response the, of your uh, Yeah, the way they move, the size of their shoulders and whether their chin's tucked and all this stuff might just turn it into a neck crank, right, by default accidentally. And then if that's the case, I mean, that's, you know, that version of a neck crank I don't have a problem with because yeah. it's just a, it's a kind of goes with the territory, right? Yep. And there's times in training I've tapped from a, a DAS choke or something or a north-south choke that wasn't choking me yet. But I've just tapped because at that particular moment it wasn't a role where – you know, you know, sometimes in training, you know, when you have those roles that it may as well be a competition and you push like super hard, you know, it wasn't one of those roles in that particular role. It wasn't worth the neck pain I was going to have for the preceding days to get out of that submission. So I'll, I'll just tap, you know, but sometimes you'll do it to someone and they'll tap and then they'll turn and say to you like to try save face. Well, it wasn't really a submission. It was just cranking me. It's like, well, yep. I mean, you, you know, tap, but, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A, you tapped, and B, you know, if you if you were willing to stomach the pain of the neck crank, it was going to turn into a choke, and that happens a lot with yeah anacondas, north souths. You know, even an, a well executed north south can be a bit neck cranky, but then turn into a choke. So those, if it's a neck crank in that sense of the word. It's not really a neck crank. It's yeah. not really a neck crank and I don't have a problem with it. If it's someone intentionally attacking your spinal column, mm. man, that's that's no good. That's dangerous territory for me. Um, the other one I wanted to mention before you said neck cranks that, again, I'm on board with the same way I am with smothering that people think is to be a, a unfriendly thing to do is, is knee on belly. And again, I think it's just lack of education. People just don't understand uh, the technique itself of what neon belly is. And it's similar to smothering. Like you should be using neon belly as a way to make your opponent uncomfortable and force them. It's, it's kind of no different to pressure passing. Like, you know, anyone who, any of my students have heard me say it a lot. When you pressure pass particularly the, the technique I like to do a lot is this immense type of shoulder pressure from half guard to pass half guard, right? It is very different to just like cross-facing someone. You're actually not cross-facing them at all. Um, I won't go too much into it. Even when you come train with me, I can show you. It's horrible, right? It is um, very and bad. And you're, you're, you put your – I don't want to hurt my opponent, but you make them so uncomfortable that they are – begging for you to pass. They're mm. begging for you to, to take side control. And so you should be doing a similar approach with knee on belly. Like, man, I know it sucks for you, but like if you don't want me there on knee on belly, like why don't you turn and give me your back? Or why don't you just like give me an arm and I'll arm yeah. bar you, you know, knee on belly over. Just get in whenever you want. <laughs> it, is a, it is a full contact combat sport. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's not against the rules. I'm, you know, I'm not jumping up on neon belly and then trying to do a physical knee strike into your ribs to break your ribs or something. Mm. No, I'm also not doing neon belly to a 40 kilo girl, right? Like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a hundred kilos just so people have a reference, right? I'm doing it with tra uh, the appropriate training partner. The more uncomfortable I can make you, the better for me, the more mistakes you're going to make, the more you're going to give me. Yeah. And so that's another one that people kind of think, oh man, he just sat up on neon belly. It's like, well, did you move? Could no. You, did you escape it? Okay. Yeah. Well then like, man, like it's, your opponent's just making you uncomfortable. 
you got to do something about it, right? That's legitimately like, just complaining about your opponent's <laughs> jujitsu. That's just complaining about jujitsu. Yeah, that, yeah, that's all that is. And um, I, I can say from experience, um, back on your half guard passing with with your pressure pass into the neck, like sometimes I've been in that position where if that is almost a submission, if I don't try and move well, it, and give you something, I, I'm going out. It kind of is, yeah. It's like I'm going a, out, man. You know, just <laughs> just for people to understand, it's essentially like a Von Flute choke. Mm. Um, it's more or less a Von Flute choke. Mm-hmm. Against an experienced opponent, you're never going to get the choke because it yes. isn't a Von Flute choke, yep. but mechanically it's very similar. So you're putting your opponent in ideally in the situation to either pass out because no one should ever tap from it, but they're not going to pass out because they're not an idiot. So they'll open their half guard to force you to side control. Once it's open, you can't really maintain the submission because of their newfound mobility and whatever. And hence why it doesn't work as a submission, but mechanically like it does the same thing, creates the same pressure Right? Am I being a prick? No, I'm just you're. You know, it's you're doing me. I'm. You're being a prick by keeping me in half guard. You know, like <laughs> full contact combat sport. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, one thing that I that I wrote down before before we started, and I said that I wanted to talk about that I wasn't going to sort of alert you to. Um, I think this is a good place to bring it up. Do some of these prick moves are they not prick moves against one opponent? but maybe against another. An example is- Opponent is is in competition or in training? No, training. So obviously in competition is different. And like you both sign the waiver. If you're both, even if you're competing in absolute division, you both know what you're going into, right? As long as you're not doing something that's against the rule set of that competition. If you're a 40 kilo guy and you're going in the absolute division and you're up against a 120 kilo guy, what did you expect? This is the absolute division. Yeah, and he goes neon belly. He's not being a prick. Like, I mean, man, you signed up for it. Exactly. You you signed up for the absolute division um, for, for that purpose. However, if you're in the gym and you're training with a training partner that, you know, is like 20 plus kilos lighter than you and maybe say for example me i'm training against a 50 kilo girl is it a prick move then for me to do these some of these moves like what's what's where's the line yeah i think so like i'm a i think it's all with context right like first thing you've got to look at what is the class you're participating in have have you rocked into the gym and you're doing on the timetable what says the beginners class you know well, you should behave appropriately regardless of what belt you're wearing. I never know what, what you class never it know. Is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you just never leave, so yeah. you're just there. <laughs> uh, if it's a competition class, you know, uh, you can put it on harder and you should also expect people to give it back harder. Um, but it should all, you know, I really try to educate my students to think for themselves and not be a moron, mm, yeah. right? Like a lot of stuff for me, just seems common sense but it's not for some people um you mentioned yeah if it's like a 40 kilo girl or something first i want to point out that you you know it's hard to say if you don't know the girl you've never met them before right but i'll just say some girls absolutely hate it as as a guy some girls hate it when you train with them with little air quotes like a girl i've i've trained with heaps of heaps of girls who despite my best efforts could beat the crap out of me on the mats you know I don't, Gabby Garcia man I used to bring it to Gabby right she never used to beat the shit out of me we used that's to not what beat, I heard oh, yeah, I don't know who you're talking to <laughs> no Gabby and I used to train a, a lot together and we had a, a quite a heated relationship for a couple of years where um she did not like me at all 
and I think it was because I was just, despite being a blue belt, purple belt, whatever, I was, I gave her a really hard time. But Gabby and I are now super close. Every time we see each other, it's nothing but hugs. I love Gabby. Uh, but you know, I'm, what I'm trying to say is there's chicks out there who, uh, man, they'll beat the crap out of you. Chicks are super good at jujitsu. Um, so, and I've trained with a lot of girls who would actually, before I knew what I'm about to say, they would kind of like pull you up and be like, man, can you train with me properly? Like, you know, they would really competitive professional athlete girls would have said to me like, man, just train with me like anyone else. Like if that means you're going to beat the shit out of me, beat the shit out of me, right? Like they they didn't want to be treated like a girl. In saying that, that's not always the case, right? Yeah. And especially like, okay, myself and Gabby, different situation at that period in time, Gabby and I both weighed the same. Gabby's only slightly shorter than I am, you know, but me being a, a hundred kilo guy and six, four, I'm bigger than most girls. So I'm, man, I'm going to ap- behave appropriately. If I'm training with, I've got a student of mine, Sophia, she's a really talented blue belt, um, but much lighter than me. So I will train with Sophia super hard, but when I get to certain positions like neon belly, I'm not going to put all my weight because it's a lot of weight for her her ribs to take, you know, yes. and particularly her chest because neon belly is not even the best way to describe it. It's really sort of like neon shin. Sternum. Yeah, neon sternum or shin on chest. Yep. That is by default far more uncomfortable for girls than it is for guys, yep. you know. Um, so positions like that I'm going to behave appropriately. Half guard pressure or stack passing her. I'm going to take that weight into consideration, you know. And even if we're doing competition training, that's just using common sense in my opinion. You know, the same way I'm not going to, you know, heel hook or white belt because it's just unnecessary, right? Like, you know, you have to treat each training partner appropriately. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And if you don't know that training partner, we'll just err on the side of safety, right? Like don't, don't be a prick, man. Like I swear, it's not that hard. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of common sense, but for someone that, you know, maybe they're, they're new to jujitsu and they just like, they don't know enough for it to be common sense. I suppose an advice, advice from a white belt to another white belt, I suppose in that situation would be like when I'm rolling with, with um, someone that is much, much lighter than me or, or female, or they don't have to be like um, maybe even a, a guy that's like 20, 30 kilos lighter than me. I'm not going to go full hog. I'm not going to use yeah. all of my strength. I'm not like, like you said, Adam, I'm not, if I get to a knee and belly, I'm not going to make them suffer or, 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 or what have you. But at the same time, I'm not going to, again, depending on the situation, like if they're brand, brand new, I will, but I'm not going to like, you know, go from mountain and roll them into, into my clothes guard yeah. or something like that. I'm not going to give up position or, but, you know, you. like if, if in doubt and we're in a bad position or submission or whatever, mm. if in doubt, you know, just just tap and yeah. then either edge it because maybe your opponent doesn't know, right? So let's say, f- for example, I've, um, you know, I'm rolling with one of my white belt students, so I let them do stuff. I don't just bash them, right? So, you know, they're on my back or something and we're rolling around and then all of a sudden they start choking across my eyes or something that is like not only a prick move but completely against the rules, Mm. I'm not going to like fight through it and then get out and bash them. I'm just going to tap and then tell them, oh, you're actually not allowed to do that. Yeah, that's illegal. Like and, 
you got to put your ego aside and do the same regardless. Like if you're a, you know, let's say it's a less of a skilled gap where people don't want to lose face. Let's say you're a purple belt and a blue belt does it to you, man, just chill your ego out, just tap and, and tell them they're not allowed to do that. Or if you're not sure, just stay on the safe side, tap and then ask your instructor. It actually happened um, the other week where there were like two white belts rolling and I believe they were in a footlock or something and one of them tapped and said to his partner, oh, you're not allowed to do that. Like you're not allowed to cross your leg there or whatever it was. And then he was like, oh, I think you can. And then they asked me, like, Adam, can we? Can you do this? And I was like, yeah, you can. And the other dude was like, oh, okay. You know, but he stayed safe. He mm. tapped, thought his opponent was doing something they're not allowed to do. So he tapped, you know, and then, but then they double checked with me. Turned out you were allowed to do it. So, you know, all fine. No one's injured. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you're not sure, just tap and educate them or ask, right? Because some people, particularly lower belts, will do prick moves but it's because they don't know, yeah. right? Like not in my experience, most people don't do prick moves to be an asshole. Some people do, but the majority of people don't. Most of the time, in my experience, when someone's doing an asshole move, it's because they don't know better or it's because the person on the receiving end isn't educated enough on the fact that it's actually not an asshole move. So- in terms of like what I've gotten out of this, in your opinion, there's not too many prick moves. There's only pricks in terms of like a prick way to to apply it. So things yeah, that- as long as we're not breaking the rules. Yeah, so so long as you're operating within the rule set, the only thing that we sort of agree on that or that we, we said is a prick move is bringing on submissions too fast, too hard yeah. um, to your training partners, going for, for neck cranks intentionally, even if, you know, it might not necessarily be like some of them are against the rules, but you know, there's a little bit of a gray area as we spoke about. So intentionally hunting a neck crank and um, you know, just putting on the smash on someone when you don't really need to, like using your full weight on someone that is a lot lighter than you, a lot smaller than you, you know, the example was a hundred kilo, six foot four black belt versus a 40 kilo white belt. You're not going to smash them and break their yeah. ribs with neon belly. Yeah. So outside of those, is there anything else that you consider that comes to mind that's like, yeah, this is a prick move. Don't do this. Um, I don't think so. Hey, that's everything really, else is, you know, I think fair. every, everything else is man. So full contact combat sport. Mm. There's, I mean, prick things you can do, but in terms of prick moves, one of the, <laughs> one of the worst ones is um, when a higher belt, gets legitimately like caught by a lower belt, but then right before they tap, they like start coaching them through yep. the submission. I've had that. <laughs> you know, to try save some face. Yeah, I've had that you know, a lot like, of times, yeah. I mean, I've, have I ever, Honestly, I, don't, I don't think I've personally, I mean, man, I can't, maybe I've done it once or something, but I can't recall a time I've done it, but I've definitely had it yeah. done so to I, me. So I've had it both, both things happen to me. I've had it legitimately happen where I can tell the the high belt is allowing me to do the submission and they're coaching me through it and it's it is legitimate. I don't like that personally. Um but I've had that happen like obviously it was you, it's different because you're actually trying to teach me or whatever. Um it, I suppose it's different in that case. So I've had it legit. Yeah, like if it if it's you what what I think you're saying is if it's a higher belt but it's not such 
a discrepancy in the skill that, yeah, they're a higher belt and they can still beat you, but they're not that far beyond that you can still kind of give them a hard time, then mm. it's not a lot of fun if they're like letting you do stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if I'm rolling with like a, a, a brown belt, for example, or, or a black belt and, um, you know, they they – sort of coach me into the sub rather than like, you know, punish me for making a mistake or get yeah, an escape yeah. or whatever. I'm like, yeah. okay, like I appreciate you helping me, but um, I mean, that's something we can do after the role. If that makes sense. Maybe yeah, that's yeah, me yeah. being an arrogant, no, little I mean, belt, but that's my, that's my preference, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's my preference. Um, But I've also had a lot where maybe they are, you know, I've had other white belts do it all the time, right? Other white belts. That's the funniest. Other white, white belts. belts or, coaching white belts. Yeah, bro. man. I love it. Or like blue belts or uh, rarely purple belt. I can't think of, I don't think any purple belts, but blue belt definitely um, a lot and white belts where, you know, I've, we fought and fought and fought. We're going hard. I've, I've fought for a position and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm, I'm your coach now. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. It's, it's, the, so, it's, it's the Jedi so, sub. It's, it's so cringe. Oh, yeah. man. It's like if you're if you're listening to this, um, even if you train at our gym and you do that, stop it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's not you know the way to doing. go. Yeah, like, you know what you're I doing. mean, what we're kind of moving away from, from prick moves now, but just uh, when, I'd say it's in the realm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like when I do that, for example, the way I like to – coach and roll with my students is if it's like I'm rolling with yeah let's say a white belt so there's a huge skill difference I don't just roll and put smash on like you'll be able to yeah to testify to this sometimes I will like yes. sometimes I'll roll with you for example and I'll decide that and okay like I know how to train with you because I know what you want out of jiu-jitsu I know what your goals are and everything so I've spoken in the past about how one of the things that makes Fabio one of the best coaches in the world is how he knows how to coach each individual student yeah, to absolutely. their best learning ability. So I believe I, I try to replicate that and can do. So with you, you know, some roles I'll be like, look, this is just going to be a put smash on Kieran role because, you know, you need to – it can't all be rainbows and sunshine, right? Other roles will be a little bit more give and take, right? Other roles I'll let you – take my back or I'll intentionally like I won't I try not to make it super obvious but mm. like you know maybe I'll intentionally you know let you get me in a triangle or something and then you know because it's a way of me also gauging your level of ability to finish a triangle and if you and if you finish it and I tap like I'm like yeah sick like I mean I'm happy because I'm seeing progression in my student right mm. like me putting myself in your triangle and escaping is different to me putting myself in a brown belt's triangle and escaping, you know, like you would expect the brown belt to have a much better chance at finishing the triangle than the white belt. Right. Yes. So if I then get subbed by the white belt's triangle, like I'm seeing progression in their ability to finish the submission. Right. Yep. I, I don't want to see forever me being, being able to escape whatever position all the time. Yeah. So, you know, I roll differently, right? And so then sometimes that may also involve a bit of like mid submission coaching, but I think that's different. Because you where, are the coach. Yeah. That's but, where the, but when really I'm, where the line is drawn in my opinion. Yeah. But when I'm tr like to give you an example of something where it's like the skill difference is closer mm. when I'm rolling with Joey, right? One of my top brown belts, Joey and I can have roles where, you know, he can submit legitimately submit me and I can submit him. Like we have a lot of back and forth roles, right? So if I'm in a, let's say, let's take a triangle again, right? If I'm in Joey's triangle, 
and I uh, and like I'll never start coaching in mid triangle. You know, like he might submit me, but let's say I escape the triangle. It's then after the roll yeah, that exactly. I'll tell him, bro, you should have done this. Yes. Or quite often, like Joey will, even before I get that chance, he'll ask, ask me. Yes. He'll be like, man, what, how, how didn't I finish that triangle? Yep. And it goes the other way as well. Sometimes I'll have Joey in a position. I'll be like, dude, man, I swear, like I can't believe I didn't get your back then. And then he might notice something. He'll be like, oh, but dude, I had your sleeve. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you did, you know. Yeah. Or – don't get me wrong. Absolutely. I really appreciate it with, with, with anyone. Like it doesn't matter if they're like, quote unquote, there's no lower belts to me, but say they're like a newer person to jujitsu and they say, oh, hey, yeah. I asked, oh, what, what about this position? And, and they offer the same feedback. I, I'm not one to be like, yeah, whatever, because they're, they're lower. What, what I really don't appreciate is the, yeah, the whole saving face thing. Cause it's, I mean, it just, it makes you as an individual look bad it put leaves a sour taste in the mouth of the person that got the sub. Yeah. It just, it ruins the, it almost I, ruins the environment for everyone. I was training like when I was in, in Brazil, the guy I mentioned before who would rip on straight footlocks and injure people. I was training with him. Right. And this was a time as well when the gym wasn't very foreigner friendly, not very gringo friendly. So I didn't really have many people in the gym who really, who liked me that much. Um, I'm just not that likable and you know, rub people the wrong way. Um, and I was training with this guy. We didn't train together very often, almost never really, because we were quite different weights. Like he was lightweight and I was middle heavy. I think he was lightweight. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe middleweight. I don't know. So we didn't train that much together. I'm not saying you can't train with different weight people, but, you know, there's a lot of students at this gym. Yeah, yeah. So you were often separated into groups that were similar weight, which is why I trained so much with Gabby Garcia. I used to roll a lot with Bernardo and Lel Noguera because I was a bigger guy. And um, I was training with him one day and he was quite notorious for always trying to save face. So – when he would um, train with other blue belts or whatever, if they submitted him, he would always like after the role be like, oh man, yeah, sorry about today. I'm just really tired. Wow. You know, it would always have something to sort of save face. That's or, even worse. <laughs> or, you know, you know, like whenever he's in a good position and you're bumping up against the wall, it's all fine. But if he's in a bad position and you're bumping up against the wall, he'd be like, bro, 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 wall, let's move, right? Yeah. And um, I was training with him and I mounted him and I, and I put in the lapel Ezekiel that I do that um, in my little world I'm famous for, mm. right? not my very small bubble. Mm. Uh, if you're not sure the Ezekiel I'm talking about, you could type into YouTube, Adam Childs, Bernardo Fadia, Ezekiel. It was like put on Bernardo's YouTube channel fucking years ago. Or more recently, Andrew Wiltsey also did the same Ezekiel with Bernardo. Um, on, on Bernardo's YouTube channel. Anyway, it's a, an Ezekiel using the, the lapel. And, and I put that Ezekiel in and it was this type of training where not everyone was rolling at the same time because the class was so big and there was like a wall of black belts coaching this other guy, right, while we were mid-roll because no one liked me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, uh, Anyway, like, yeah, they're, they're all cheering for him, coaching for him. And uh, the, the wall was right in front of – like from my point of view, um, 
as the person mounted on him was right in front of us, right? So for him lying on his back, the wall was behind him, but he knew it was there. Mm. So I had this Ezekiel and he was like shimmying his shoulders backwards to like bump into the wall uh, so we, could, we would have to stop. Yeah. And he's shimmying, shimmying, shimmying. And when his head was like, you know, an inch from bumping into the wall, I just reefed him 90 degrees and we just turned 90 degrees away from the wall. Oh, and I no. just like pushed the, the Ezekiel in and he just tapped straight away. <laughs> and I was like, and you know, it was just one of my best sort of like self pride moments. Cause I was like, you could like, read it. I was like, yeah. F you, you for trying to like get to the wall to get out of the submission. Yeah. F all you black belts coaching him instead of me, you know, <laughs> like, cause I think at the time he was a purple belt as well. And oh wow. So they'll coach you the purple belt. Yeah. And I think, blue belt. yeah, like for me, uh, the kind of the, I, my opinion and the way that I always felt Fabio did, I've never actually had him, like I've never spoken to him about this, but at least what I always felt is he would always coach the lower belt in yes. roles. And if they were the same belt, would typically coach the person in the, the worst position yeah, that to try, sense. you know, even the odds of the role. You know, sometimes you might be coaching a particular student because they're working on a particular thing. But but anyway, I remember being like, F you for trying to like use the wall to get out of the submission. F you black belts for coaching him. Yeah. And I was like, fucking got yeah, it. Yeah, because you were, yeah, that's. And I remember when I, when I told like all the, the other belts who would always train with this guy and always have him say things like, oh, sorry, I'm just tired today. When I told them the story, they were all just like, yeah. oh, that's the best news I've ever heard. Because like everyone was always like, salty on this dude for yeah. always trying to save face yeah man <laughs> yeah so that's a prick thing to do it's not a prick move but like it's letting your ego you get know, in the yeah. way and if the you're whole, one of those people people will see like if you're, you're training with them every other day or every day people are going to see through it so quickly yeah man. Like, like you ain't saving any face yeah. people can tell oh people yeah. can tell when you're coaching dumb. when you're coaching someone through a submission that like, you, you know. yeah that's man if worst. really if you, if you want to coach them like get out of it first yeah you know or or maybe you can't get out of it and you tap and then turn to them and be like man that was really good i reckon you would have got me quicker if you did this yeah you know maybe i'm in your triangle for 30 seconds and then i tap and then i come out of it and say like bro that was good but if you did this at the start yeah. you would have had me straight away yeah you know I know it's a different dynamic because I am the head coach, but you know, I'm sure you as a mm. white belt would receive that feedback different if it came from another white belt. Yeah, it might be laced with a bit of saving face, but it's still like they didn't stop the role yeah. and coach you to save face. Yep. Like, you know, you legitimately tapped that blue belt, but then they're still trying to tell you how you could have tapped them better. You know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's still a little face saving, but it's yeah. also constructive. Yeah. I think. I think that's perfectly fine, you know? particularly or, after the role. Yeah. Like, or if they even, you know, if they escape it, then I don't see it. There's really no face yeah. saving, right? Because yep. they escaped it, yeah. and they could tell you, bro, if you do this, you know, I wouldn't have gotten out. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And um, I mean, there's there's plenty of blue belts um at our gym that I always ask them, hey, can you give me a, advice on on this or whatever after the role, yeah. and um, you know take on board everything they say because they're obviously a lot more experienced than I am. Um, but, you know, I think back to the common sense piece, you know, you know, yeah, when just you know what sense. someone's doing when yeah. they're, you know, doing something. Cheap. Common sense. And just to, yeah, to 
to put it all in a nutshell, common sense, don't be pricks, look after the longevity of your training partners. Competition's a different thing, you know. Don't be a bitch. Don't be a bitch. (laughs) As long as you're not breaking the rules, you know, like, man, like rip submissions in competitions, maybe not at lower belts, but at the professional level, man, professional athletes competing a lot of the time for prize money. Yeah. So Craig Jones is listening to this advice. Yeah. Rip Just it, bro. Rip, rip it, man. It. Come on. <laughs> Craig has never had a problem with ripping it. Nah. You know? <laughs> I've, only, I've only <laughs> trained with him a couple of times, you know, like once when we were purple belts before. That was in know, Brazil, yeah? That was in it, Brazil before he beca- became yeah. the leg lock machine he is today. Yeah. And then. Was that uh, before he won the Worlds? Because he won Worlds at purple? He did, yeah. It was before he won Worlds. Yep. Um, and then again, years later when we were, were we both brown belts or brown black belt i can't remember um and that was when he had started becoming a leg lock machine and mm. you know i was super new to leg locks and we just had a playful role and with plenty of heel hooks from him you know yeah. Um, but yeah we have you know and since now i haven't seen him since now he lives overseas the whole time so yeah um yeah, rip it, Craig. Rip it, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, if you're still listening to the episode, thanks so much for supporting the show. If you want to support the show further, feel free to follow us on your streaming platform of choice and leave us a review. It does help to support the show. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, jump over to Instagram at beyondjujitsu underscore podcast for all things Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast related. Yeah. Thanks for listening and until next time. Until next time. Catch up.